0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Catholic Halos podcast. I'm Veronica Ambuel, Director of Communications for the Diocese of Colorado Springs, and I'm joined today by Deacon Patrick Jones, who's an award-winning author of Catholic Fiction and the founder of Catholic Halos, and Deacon Doug Flynn, who is the Chancellor and General Counsel for the Diocese. Uh, before we begin our discussion today, Deacon Patrick, would you lead us in an opening prayer?
1: In nomine Patris et et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus Tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus, benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus.
0: Sancta Maria Mater De ora pernobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostre. Amen. So, um for... Uh, today's discussion, we are kind of um, basing it on a recent article that appeared on uh, the the uh, website Newsmax, uh, and the, the headline reads, High Religiosity Locales Counter Modern Trend of Deaths of Despair. And, um, you know, so... F- f- First of all, we would want to say that deaths of despair, you know, refers to to suicide. Um, And And also
1: deaths by alcohol uh, or drug.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Thanks, Deacon Patrick. Yeah, it says deaths by drug overdoses, alcohol and suicide. So
1: not um, the uh, not the pit of despair from Princess Bride, just to jump on uh, Deacon Doug's quote there. (laughs) <laughs>
2: no one escapes from the pit of despair. <laughs> I'm going to try and stay on the whole, this whole podcast, like unlike last time. Oh
1: wow!
2: <laughs> I'm glad oh, you teed up early. If I queue you up for a,
1: with a question, I, we won't be met by crickets, huh? <laughs> Bueller, Bueller. Anyone?
0: Well, apparently this um. This article uh, is based on a uh, report by the uh, Journal of the American Medical Association. So it was uh, a research study done in 2019 uh, examining uh, deaths of despair and what just what was caused, what was behind them and so wait, this is
1: um, this is a study from before the despair that's risen from the pandemic and the lockdowns and the the supply chain breakdowns and everything else.
0: Yeah, so I mean according wow. to, to this article, I guess uh they're really uh attributing a lot of it to um opioid addiction and saying, you know, that they're drug related and in one way or another.
1: So, how much more despair now compared to 19 or uh,
0: 2019? Yes, and and I, it looks like the latest numbers they have, at least according to this, are from 2020. So, uh, but but basically, the the uh, kind of bright spot in all of this was that um, health workers who attended services. With it, which are religious services, were less likely to die from deaths of despair, and states with greater participation in religious services saw fewer deaths of despair. And, and that so, matches
1: what I've seen uh, in the information with uh, about people with brain injury, that faith is a huge component of how well people adjust to the shift of living with a bludgeoned brain. Um, and I can say it's pivotal to, uh, to how uh, I and my, our family have uh, addressed that same challenge.
0: Well, and uh, Deacon Patrick, you and I, before the show started, we're, were chuckling because the article concludes that it wasn't the religious participation per se, but rather blue laws that banned business on Sundays to encourage worship.
1: So it was Uh, religious participation per se.
0: (laughs) Right. And then it says following the repeal of such laws, religious attendance plummeted and deaths of despair rose. The biggest increase was from suicides, according to the economist, which was the original publication um, publicizing these, these findings. But yeah, I mean, it, 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 it is a a strange way to, to uh, interpret things, I think, but I it was it's so interesting that we're discussing this cuz literally um this morning as I was choosing some uh, little articles to include in the next issue of the Herald one of them is about a an upcoming potentially uh, upcoming Supreme Court case where um a Christian and I believe he I I believe he worked for the post office is suing his former employer saying that the employer uh, forced him to work on sundays and um didn't you know d- despite his strongly held um belief that sunday should be you know a day of rest so uh this is um, this is still this is still an issue that that society is um really dealing with is uh you know is it really important to set aside sundays um as the Lord's day or do we, do <laughs> we not to...
1: really say <laughs> 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 that not to for, for those just tuning in, that's, uh, the premise of Satan's question to, uh, Eve th- getting her to commit original sin along with Adam.
0: Yeah. And, and, um, you know, for, for, uh, regular readers of the Herald will know that, um, as part of our dioceses' participation in the Eucharistic revival um Father Jim Barron has been doing a series of articles called reclaiming Sunday as the Lord's day and um i think they've been really well received because um they do he does such a great job of explaining why this isn't just like a um a rule that has to be followed, but exec, but precisely how it benefits families and society, you know, mental health, I guess you could even say um,
1: to, to Which have. Which is really an aspect of soul health.
0: Right. Right. Um, and, and so anyway, it it is interesting that now, you know, this is um, really seems to be coming to the forefront and um, it's not any, it's not a, very simple. It, it, I guess it's simple in one sense. It's not easy to address because you do have people like um, doctors and nurses um, who, you know, I, some of them do, I suppose, need to be Well, on priests call. and
1: deacons, too.
0: Right. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> they definitely work on Sundays. We never <laughs> want to say otherwise.
2: <laughs> that reminds me of my boss at my former law firm whose favorite Friday saying was, thank God it's Friday, only two more working days till Monday.
0: <laughs> yeah, I I and and you know um that definitely would explain why uh, priests in the diocese are are you know supposed to be taking Mondays off but uh I I know well, I
2: remember on my ordination day standing next to Bishop Sheridan taking a picture and I leaned over and said well now that I'm clergy can I take Monday off and he just laughed and said no <laughs> <laughs> You've got it
1: the best like and him.
2: worst of <laughs> both worlds now.
1: But,
0: <clears throat> but yes, yeah, so, I mean going back to um you know the basic premise of the article that um re- religious um that that uh having a life of a spiritual life and um a life of piety uh does protect us from despair. Um, or help protect us from despair. Um, what what I thought of was the uh, passage in the gospel of John, uh, the end of chapter six. So um, when, after Jesus tells the, his disciples that they have to eat his flesh and drink his blood. And a lot of them at that point um, said, this is a hard saying, you know, we're, we're, we're not, we're no longer on board as, as they would say. And, and, um, and they left and and they left. And then it says, Jesus said to the 12, will you also go away? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy one of God. Very much. We can see that, uh, that G- Jesus always wanted us to be able to um uh in a sense like find refuge in him when uh when everything else you know kind of from a human perspective is is failing and yeah I think definitely during the whole pandemic and lockdowns and things uh that really kind of um was a phenomenon that we witnessed
1: well, and this is, this is really a, a nexus topic in the sense that, uh, you can't change the topic. It's all about, uh, eternal life, eternal death. Which one are we choosing? Um, so every subtopic, uh, relates to that. Um, but this one is a nexus topic because it really gets at, faith in society. And when you read the saints, there's kind of a, a clarification that that comes about, uh, through reading, um, a breadth of them and their writings. And it's the, the idea that the closer society is to being Catholic, the greater, the joy and, the further society gets from being Catholic, the greater the despair. And I was struck with this article because in, in the face of all the despair, I keep seeing all these headlines crying out for greater, greater mental health care, more therapy with psychologists, psychology, I haven't seen a single one that says we need to go to confession. We need to realize that Christ gave the church the keys of heaven to bind and loose on earth as in heaven. And we need to encourage people to deepen in their faith, in their fear of the Lord, so that what they're despairing about suddenly has perspective of wait in in the one topic of right relationship with god with myself with neighbor with others and how do i choose eternal life instead of eternal death how do i take that single next step closer to christ and it isn't therapy that helps with that it's the catholic church that helps with that um And so society can't fix itself. And, and that's the premise that modern society is based on that humanity has the capacity to advance and we aren't, we're regressing. So I I was thinking about, well, what are concrete steps that if we're with somebody who's in despair and I don't know about you guys, but I've had more encounters with people where Uh, You know, I ask how they're doing and I get some version of, well, my mental health is really up and down. I never used to get that response at all. And it's a cry for help. And what can we do? We can invite them to church. We can invite them to confession. We can invite them on whatever the next step toward Christ for them is. Um, because there's, uh, this is another uh, reality of faith that that comes clear the more readings of the saints I've read. Uh, wherever there's strife in relationship, and part of strife is despair, sin is at play. And that gets to that that quote of uh, the keys of the kingdom being given to the church through Peter and to a lesser degree, other uh the other disciples um, in Matthew 16, verse 19, that only the church is given the authority of Christ to bind and loose. In other words, to heal and forgive what lies underneath our despair whatever that strife in relationship is.
0: Well, yeah. And Deacon Patrick, actually in that, um, in this same Newsmax article, um, they, they also cite, um, weakening social ties as, um, kind of part of this phenomenon of, um, despair you know that people don't have the um the the family and community connections that maybe they would have relied on decades ago and you know that that that, that whole concept of strife in relationship definitely would seem to be uh, a contributing factor there it's it's like people just um it, it seems like We've we just kind of forgotten how to um, to forgive others, you know, how to um, overlook.
1: I'm deeply affronted you would say that, Veronica.
0: <laughs> well, you're obviously not included in this, but um, they they <laughs> they uh, that's a given there. But um, you know, just you know how to overlook little frictions, you know, uh, little uh, minor offenses that happen. Whenever you have, um, you could have a whole separate discussion, I suppose, about having, you know, um, a big family can 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 help people maybe uh, learn to live together, you know, um, but that that's You're so whole... much
1: more exciting if you take offense at everything, Veronica. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's just it's also it's also very exhausting. But um, Uh, religious worship um, also seems to foster that um, sense of community that, you know, so like just a very simple basic example would be like in a in a parish where um, uh, people bring meals to uh the family who's just had a baby, you know, things those types of things that um uh are are done to, you know, uh with an atmosphere of charity and, and love, those those things don't happen when social ties break down and then people feel very isolated and and and, and very quickly slip into despair and um it's long been known that here in Colorado Springs where so many people um don't have their parents grandparents siblings um living close by that that is an that's an extra challenge um here and and it's and so um it's probably all all the more important that like our our um parish communities and our and even you know, just neighbor to neighbor, we're we're aware of um, if if we can see that somebody um, doesn't seem to have support from family or whatever, we see if we can do something you know t- to help them.
1: Well, and one of the challenges is some of these wounds are very self-inflicted. Uh, for example, the um, the generation ahead of us. Our parents and, uh, uh, grandparents often buy into, and who knows how many of our own generation are doing the same thing or will buy into that idea that they need to go it alone, including in old age. And they choose instead of moving in with family, which can be of mutual support, uh, overall drop of cost of living per person and mutual relationship and support where, you know, you can, you can help grandma and and grandpa just as you're going through your daily life. Um, they live in a, uh, assisted living facility or an independent living center. Um, and it's a whole rigmarole just to go and visit them, let alone do anything to help them. Uh, But they don't want to be a burden on their families, is the lie that they've been sold. And that's just one of the ways that progressivism has been attacking the family and creating that loneliness you described, Veronica, where families aren't able to be around and support each other.
2: And how much more was that amplified during the lockdowns? And you heard all the tragic stories of older People not being able, not being allowed to see their family, whether they were in the hospital or not, or just a nursing facility, um, turning back to those depths, depths of despair. Exactly. (laughs) You know, Patrick, when you were talking about the interrelationship between psychology, or the the relationship between psychology and church and worship, and specifically uh, confession. It reminded me of a story uh, about a a psychological conference that was attended by a priest. And at one point, after several of the lay people had talked, or or PhDs or medical doctors had talked, uh, the priest stood up and said, Well, it sounds like you guys are working me out of a job, and I won't have to hear any confessions anymore. And one of the speakers on the panel said, Father, absolutely not. I've worked with the couple for 10 years with very little progress And then at one point I suggested they maybe just go see father and they both went to confession and the next day said, they don't need my services anymore. So it can be a very powerful uh, experience um, both for individuals and for couples. Veronica, I think um, during this Lenten season, several parishes are going to have communal penance services. And I think you've got maybe a list of that on the Herald website.
0: Yes. Yeah. If, if anybody uh, wants to, uh, checked out. Just go to diocs.org, and um, uh, in the top menu bar, there's a, a, a tab called Parishes and Masses, and it'll have all all of that there. And yes, it is also listed um, under the Herald, where it's under uh, Parish Lenten Schedules, and and of course in the you know, the print copy of the Herald as well, these last few issues and so yes, I mean, um those those uh those resources are definitely available and
2: um and I, I know
0: I know that uh there's still some parishes that are that have upcoming coming uh, penance services.
2: And if you've never been to a communal penance service, you don't you don't all go to confession at once, but you come together as a community and there's some prayers and there's a um A a liturgical aspect to it, but usually there'll be eight or ten or more priests and then after the communal piece, then everyone will have the opportunity to go to say their confession. And there's something about being in a group of people who, you know, you're all there for the same purpose. It really does, one, give you that sense of communion and that sense of, I'm not alone uh, in whatever... Wait, you're a sinner too? uh, All day.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I think it's important. There's an inordinate amount of fear that some people have about confession. Um, And that fear comes from their inner sinner. Satan doesn't want them going to confession. And there's, if, if you have a good prayer book, it tells you how to make a good confession. And as we've often said, not just us, but all throughout Catholic history, <laughs> every person, every one of us, no matter how much we've sinned, is but one good confession away from a clean slate and being fully back in union with the Catholic Church and experiencing that wonderful joy of being light and free. Um, and with that freedom comes Uh, an easier capacity to have eyes of innocence and see the world as God sees it. And as soon as you start to have that, there's this joy everywhere and it doesn't matter what's happening. And people will say, well, you, you, have you really ever been through anything? Anybody who knows my story? Yeah, we've been through a thing or two. um, and you look at the lives of the saints, they have the same joy and they've been through far more than that. Um, and so if you get a good prayer book, if you get a good missal uh, and look up confession and the manner of making confession is the title of uh, of it in the Blessed Be God book that I use. Um, and then it has uh, acts of contrition, prayer of contrition. Um, and it takes away the fear because you prepare for it ahead of time. And you can realize, here's how I make a good confession. There isn't a mystery about it. It doesn't need to be feared. And so if you know somebody who is, um, in despair, share the journey with them toward the confessional, help them get a prayer book, help them find, the manner of making a confession and don't necessarily dive into the details of what their confession is. That's between them and God through the priest. Um, but share that journey with them so that they're not traveling it alone in fear and trepidation, but with hope and joy.
2: And if you're out there and you're afraid to wait the two days or two weeks to uh, order a book, uh, I just did a quick Google search on how to make a good confession, and there's lots of websites that will tell you that. <laughs> Hopefully good ones. Well, <laughs> so there's several from different dioceses around the country. and Yeah, make Catholic. sure you're on the Catholic site is, is the first yeah. step.
0: Yes, and, and uh, as uh, you mentioned, uh, Deacon Doug, this is a great time of year um, if someone hasn't been to... Confession for a while, because there are a lot of um extra opportunities and uh chances are one of the times that's being offered you know will 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 work for you or w- one of the times or locations and then of course there's always the Catholic center at the Citadel mall if you're in um, Colorado Springs where the uh Capuchin priests there are um hearing confessions on you know pretty much every weekday so you know especially if um if a person uh maybe doesn't want to go at their own parish for whatever reason they could they could find an an alternate location um again from our diocesan website diocs.org or uh, the catholic center they have their own website with all their times listed and um, they have uh Again, you know, several priests there that, that, uh, so, um, to your point, Deacon Patrick, just, just this morning, Bishop Golka was telling a beautiful story about, um, you know, speaking to a woman who had had, um, you know, three abortions, uh, and was struggling, you know, still struggling with like feelings of guilt. And he, um, you know, he really helped her to see that, um, she didn't have to kind of get remain stuck in um, in, and she had confessed it, you know, um, but, but that, that uh, Jesus wanted her to be um, free, free of that guilt, you know? And so I think it was, it was such a um, inspirational story because that is one of the things that um, will kind of haunt people for the rest of their life if they don't, uh, if they aren't able to um make a good confession and so uh yeah i mean d- definitely want to um encourage everybody out there, no matter what your situation is to to take advantage of the opportunities well, um, one
2: other opportunity that's out there um in our diocese we're blessed to have a Catholic charities program that uh, uh operates Project Rachel, which is for Um, folks who are struggling with um, uh, regret or uh, guilt over an abortion. And that goes for the men and the women who are affected by that because men can be affected too. So um, that was a ministry that was started or brought to the diocese by the late Father Bill Carmody and really has taken on a a wonderful uh, ministerial ministerial, uh, place in our diocese.
1: And two other things I wanted to, to mention. Um, one is, uh, being a military town, a town with, uh, several military bases. Um, it's, it's very common for people in the military to think they've done things that are unforgivable, um, much in the same way that uh, people think the same thing about abortion. Uh, There is no sin larger than Christ's sacrifice for us on the cross. And uh, all of us, every one of us is but one good confession away from being back in the arms of Christ. Um, And then another thing for couples, uh, married folks out there um, to, to sit with, where they may not realize that, okay, this is how sin harms right relationship. Um, the, if a, if a couple is using birth control, that decision to be closed to life is selfish. And that gets in the way of right relationship, husband to wife. And it's hard to place, wait, where is this strife coming from? Why are we drifting apart? Why are we angry more often? what is going on? And, and if a couple makes the radical Catholic choice to be open to life, suddenly that can melt away and going to confession helps give the strength to do that. So whether it's that specific example or some other, uh, way that sin gets in the way, going to confession and, and making a good confession where we truly intend to, uh, not sin that way again, um, and take steps to do that. Even if we fall back in, uh, we can continue. That opens the door for us to run towards Christ, uh, without that despair burdening us. And so that's one of the many ways, as we've alluded to in a previous podcast, that Christ, uh, his yoke is easy, His burden light.
0: Well, we are about out of time uh, for today's podcast. Uh, before we close, just want to remind everybody that you can find this episode and past episodes of Katha Kalos on uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Podcasts, and uh, several other platforms. So feel free to check us out there. Um, Deacon Doug, would you lead us in a closing prayer? Certainly. Ave Maria, gratia
2: plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in volieribus, benedictus fructus ventris tu
0: iesus. Sancta Maria Mater Dei, ora nobis peccatoribus nunc et in ora mortis nostre. Amen. Thanks, everyone, for joining us for this episode of the Catholic Halos Podcast.